Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. So that that work can reach unto you. Oh, let's pray tonight and say, Father Lord, as I come unto you, let your world reach out unto me. That it has an impact upon me. It's about me, oh God. We have come so that you can revive us. We have come so that we can be strengthened. We have come, oh God, so that grace might increase upon our life. We have come, oh God, so that you can do your will and perfect it concerning us. Oh, Father Lord, I pray tonight that, Lord, your spirit will come, that you soak me, O oh God, in your presence, that you give me utterance, O oh God, that you teach from your throne of grace, that each and every one of us, O oh God, we shall be beneficiaries of today's teaching, that you help us, O oh God, to live a life that is worthy of you, Oh, the normal Christian life. What you expect us to do in the world here. To be a light unto the world. To bring forth, to show forth your power. Oh, to show forth your grace and your love. Father, help us, my dear Lord. Thank you, dear Father. Blessed be thy name, O Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, today, I will be, will continue on the topic, Revive Me, O Lord. As, as discussed last week, this is a personal topic, speaking to me. I don't know about you. Is speaking to me. I don't know if there is anyone here who at any point in time, your Christian journey, you have had to cry unto the Lord. Seems as if things are not what it should be. And sometimes we just go on our knees. You want to pray. And it seems as if you are just struggling. It seems as if the presence of the Spirit is not there. You know how sweet it is, how wonderful it is when you go on your knees and immediately you can sense the presence of the Almighty God. Sometimes it seems as if you should not even leave that place. You won't even know how time flies. Sometimes for some of us that probably you go to the office to work, by the time you look at your time, you realize that, oh, you have spent so much time. Because we're in the presence of the Father. And you know, sometimes it becomes so difficult to do what you can call a routine Christian work. It becomes extremely difficult. And so, tonight, we're building on what our pastor, my sister, shared with us last week, Pastor Bernice. And we'll start off from there. But today... We'll be looking at how do I get revived? How do I get revived? Think about revive me, Lord. Revive me, Lord. Or revive me, oh Lord, whichever one you prefer. But how do I get revived? What do I need to do to get revived? You know, last week, and our scripture, the theme, this text is taken from Isaiah 57, Isaiah 57, verse 15. And Hebrew 12, 11 to 12. So let's just read Isaiah 57, verse 15. Isaiah 57, verse 15. I'm reading from the NIV version. For this is what the Lord and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, 
to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So I'll be looking at this in three main dimensions, three or four main dimensions. First, we look at the introduction. And then we touch briefly on why do we need revival anyway? Why do we need revival? And then we go to how can I be revived? How can I be revived? You know, last week, our pastor shared with us a whole lot of definitions about what revival is. Who needs revival? When you, do you think you, you, you need revival? You know, talks about the one who is thirsty, the one who is sleeping, the one who is simple. Everything just comes. The way it comes, you just take it. And the one who is at ease, you know, and the one who is not seeking the kingdom. Well, you know, he talks about the definitions of what revival is. And part of the definition, the ones I pick out, so it includes a whole lot of things. Say so improvement in conditions. Revival means improvement in conditions, in strength, or fortunes, or someone or something, or a restoration to life or consciousness, or betterment or amelioration, or to advance or to upturn, or to come back or a resurgence, or a reestablishment or reintroduction. It could also mean renewal. You know, I also try to look for some other definitions to buttress this. The Crudence Bible, I mean, the Crudence uh, Concordance says, to make to live again. To make to live again or to have new life. Sometimes people leave and they're just breathing, but they are dead. And you know, if anyone is not in Christ, you can be sure that that person is living, but is dead. But you know, when we talk about revival, we're talking about Christians. There are people who are in church. There are people who are believers who have slipped away, and then they are still living. They feel they are still in Christ, but they have slipped away. And you know, it's like it's like this analogy of a frog. If you put a frog in a water, just normal water, and then you put fire under the water, that frog will stay there until the frog is properly cooked. But if you take that frog and put it inside the hot water, immediately it will jump out. So that is a lot of a whole lot of us Christians. Things you tolerate, things you see on a daily basis, it become part of you. And before you know it, you're just there. You're just, you're just cruising along with it. Sometimes you don't even know whether this thing is right or whether it is wrong. And when you just get to it, where something just hits you fresh, it becomes strange to you. If you don't deal with it at that point in time, if you stay with it at that point in time, becomes first the shock, then you get to, oh, okay, maybe I could accept it. You get to acceptance, or you are suspicious, then you get to acceptance, then it becomes the norm. And then you don't see anything wrong with it. And that is how you can bear the way from the path of truth and go into error. And then Divine Dictionary says that it is to flourish again, to flourish anew. You know, but there was a man called Dr. Michael Brown, the popular American uh, radio evangelist. And he says, revival is returning to normal Christian life. Normal Christian life. You know, Christ has not called us to do something that is so extraordinary. No. We just want to live a normal Christian life. And what is a normal Christian life? What are you supposed to do as Christians? You pray, 
You have faith. You believe in God. You evangelize. You preach about repentance. You live a life of righteousness, a life without sin. And then his power can flow through you. You can heal the sick. You can, you can prophesy. He can show you what is yet to happen. These are normal Christian life. You don't need to be uh, the general overseer or the pastor to be able to do any of these things. These are normal Christian life. And if we live the normal Christian life as laid down to us by Christ, then you really would not need a revival. You hardly hear about Paul praying for revival. What will Paul pray about? Pray we pray about his spiritual life. He will pray to continue to be in the will of God. He will pray to continue to move forward. It's not that he has feared away from the path. He's praying that, Lord, sustain me in where I am. And if he can live a life to that level, then we are actually living the life. And you know, very popular scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Sometimes people give their life to Christ. And the reason why we give our life to Christ is that our salvation can be sustained till the end. So that in eternity, we can reign with Christ. But you know what? We can lose that salvation if we don't guide it jealously. If you don't live the normal Christian life. So, you can say that the life we live now, if we are not living the normal Christian life, is an abnormal life. And the abnormal life has become normal to many of us. It has become normal to think that Wednesday Bible study is only for people that live around VGC, or it's only for a pastor, it's only for head of ministry. And it becomes normal. It wasn't so before. It's become normal to think that, oh, going to vigil, I think I've worked so hard during the week, so I think I better sleep so that I can catch up. It becomes normal. It becomes normal to say, oh, I have a job to do. I can always make an excuse. And we continue to make the excuse, the excuse, and then it becomes normal. What is abnormal becomes normal. Then if we find ourselves in that situation, we need to be revived. We need revival. So why do we need revival? In Psalm 51, verse 1 to 3, they will cry unto the Lord, they have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast law, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sins are ever before you. We need revival so that our sins can be blotted away. But sometimes people live in sin and they just get used to it. And sometimes you may not even know that it's sin. Because if you allow your conscience to be seared, then it becomes, become used to it. So we need revival so that things will not be able to dwell in our body. Two, we also need revival so that the plan of God for us can be fulfilled. Because to be a Christian and to miss eternity is a jeopardy. It's a disaster. If you give your life to Christ and you're doing all that you want to do to be able to please him, and at the end of the day, say, get away from me, you that works in equity, because I know you're not. It will be, it will be a tragedy. Because at that point in time, there is no, there is no, there is no repentance again. You cannot make, you cannot make it up again. Very, very difficult. And you know, because the journey that we are as a Christian, the hard 
the hard journey and is a narrow way. In Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, the Lord said, Jesus was telling the people, he said, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it, they are few. Now, one of the reasons why we need revival is that that road, this road, is narrow. This road would demand certain things from you. And if you're not in tune with God, no arms of flesh can fulfill the things of the Lord. And that's why from time to time, we need revival. And you know, my favorite scripture in the Bible is John 15. John 15. And one of the verses that I love so much there is verse 5 to 6. Say, I'm divine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And verse say, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire. On. For us to be able to sustain this journey, we need to abide in the Lord. We need to abide in him. You know, it's like a, a tree. If you have a tree that is in a dry land, if you have garden, and especially during the dry season, and there's no water, what happens to those plants? They begin to wither. And if you're not careful, some of them will die completely. Similar to a, a Christian. You know, sometimes you find yourself in such a dry environment. And before you know it, you begin to wither. And if that withering takes place, and you don't get connected back to the source of water, back to the source of life, death is imminent. So in order for us to sustain our life, we need to be revived. And then one of the key promises of those who are in the Lord is that the joy of the Lord shall be your portion. When you are in the presence of the Lord, is joy will be your portion. In Psalm 16, verse 10 to 11, verse 16, Psalm 15, verse 10 to 11, say, you shall not abandon my soul to show, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The King James Version says, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. If you do want, not want to lose that pleasure, for us not to lose that joy, then we need to be revived. I don't want to lose the joy of the Lord. I don't know about you. So that's why it's personal. Do you want to lose the joy of the Lord? You want to get away from his presence? He has made avenues for us to be able to come unto him. And in Psalm 85, verse 6, the Bible says, You will not yourself, will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? God is interested in reviving us. He want to revive me. He want to revive you. And then Psalm 51, 10 to 12, that very popular prayers of David. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Return to me. Return to me the joy of my salvation and renew the right spirit within me. Here was a man who knew how to get connected back to God. 
He knew things were wrong. He knew he had misses. And so he had to go to God personally. Say, Lord, if you take your Holy Spirit away from me, what will be my Lord? What will I do? If you take it away from me, I'm finished. And I hope there's someone tonight who will cry unto God and say, Lord, take not the Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Renew the right spirit within me, O God. O Lord, do not count your iniquity against me. Let mercy flow, O God. Cleanse me, O God, from every unrighteousness and restore me unto your presence. And as we do that, you see that the Lord is willing, is merciful, and is able to do that. And one of the other reasons is that so that we may be brought up from the death of despair, from troubles, from weaknesses, and from distress. Sometimes we find ourselves in distress. I remember a man who found himself in a distress. There was a man called David. He had gone to war, and then the enemy came, and they overran the camp, and then they were almost stoning him. And then everyone that was with him, he said they were crying. They were almost at the point of stoning David. But David, the Bible said, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He was in a distress. He was in a difficult situation. He could be asking God, Lord, why do you allow this to happen to us? Maybe you are asking God, why did this happen to me? Why did it have to be me? Why did this happen to me? Instead of asking yourself, why did it happen to me? Why don't you look at David and cry unto God? Say, Father Lord, Father Lord, what should I do? Encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And as you do that, there will be a new strength to continue. There will be a new way that the Lord will show you. And he will tell you what to do. And it's not with your power that you will conquer. Because the Lord will go ahead of you. And make the way for you. Praise the Lord. You know, as Christians, we have a peculiar uh, position. Because the position we have is that we are alive. Those who are not in Christ, they are dead, literally. They are dead. They are dead. You know, because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And as long as a man is living in sin, that man is dead. He may have the breath, he may be breathing, he may be jumping, he may be running, but that man is dead. Spiritually, that man is dead. That man has no portion in eternity with a maker. That man is condemned to eternal damnation. That man is dead. Maybe you are even joining us tonight. And you don't even know Christ. I'm sorry. If you don't know Christ, you are dead. But you know, you can connect back to him tonight. And live. And living means that the Lord forgiving your sin. The Lord cleansing you of all unrighteousness. Adopting you as his son. And making you to be partaker of eternal life. That is what it is to live. That's what it is to live. Now Hosea 6 verse 2. The after two days he will revive us. And on the third day he will raise, raise us up. That we may live before him. That we may live before him. And you know, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 to, 1 to 2, talking about the living but dead church, say, to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He said, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. You are dead. The members of this church, they could be Liking to any of us. They have a reputation of being alive. But they are dead. And God asked them, they should, they should wake up. 
wake up, strengthens what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. For as many as are dead, God wants us to live. He doesn't want the dead of a sinner. He wants all to come unto him. So tonight, because God did not want us dead, he wants us to be alive. That's why he wants us to be revived. And so we go to the main meat of the discussion, which is how can I be revived? How can I be revived? How can I be revived? I'll be looking about eight or nine different things or ten. How we can be revived. The first thing is repentance precedes revival. You cannot have revival without repentance. Because the fact that you need revival means that you have moved away from the normal Christian life. Something had gone missing. Therefore, you need to, rest to be restored what the Lord wants of you. When we come under deep conviction and cry unto the Lord, confessing our sins and having genuine repentance, we invite the Holy Spirit to inhabit our vessel and create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can dwell. You know, our God does not dwell in vessels that are inhabited by sin. It's too holy to dwell in a filthy vessel. The emptiness of void that marks his absence is a trigger to draw closer to him. And if you're a true child of God, when you feel this void, when you feel this emptiness, when you seem as if everything is just hollow, everything is just dry, you just can't feel the presence of the Lord anymore then you need to get revived. Then you need the Lord. At that point in time, you need to search yourself and say, Lord, I repent of my sin. And if you do that genuinely, you know what will happen? The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 19 to 20, Acts chapter 3, verse 19 to 20, they repent then and turn back so that your sins may be wiped away. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ who has been appointed for you. When we repent, Jesus will come. Spirit will come. That emptiness you feel will be replaced by an awesome presence of the Lord. I don't know if you are trying to pray and you just discover that it as if the hosts of heaven are just surrounding you. An awesome feeling. There was a time I was the only one in the house. My wife traveled. My brother was not around. And I was praying. I was just worshiping. And I felt, I felt the presence of the Lord so much like it was as if the Lord just packed the whole house full with angels. I could literally feel their presence all around me. And you know, sometimes like that, you don't know what to do. You, you just weep for joy. You just weep for joy. You know? Can you compare that to the time you go on your knees? You want to pray? The words are not even coming out. You know, sometimes you don't even know what to say. Everything just so, looks all dry. I've seen somebody suffering from malaria, uh, whatever you call it. You, I see you have malaria, you have jaundice, you have yellow fever, you have all the sickness in this world combined together. You are just struggling, you are just yawning, you can't do anything. If you're in that situation, maybe, just maybe, it's not a sickness is the absence of the Lord. It's because his spirit is no longer with you. And you know how, 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 how big it is? Just cast your mind back to the life of Saul, who was anointed as king. The Bible says 
when Samuel anointed him, the spirit of the Lord descended upon Saul. And what happened? Saul prophesied. And they were saying, ah, is this not Saul? He saw one of the prophets. But when the spirit of the Lord left him, what happened? He said the spirit, there's a strange spirit, the spirit of the devil came inside of him. And that spirit even makes him to be mad. Because it's a spirit that torments. The evil spirit did not have anything good for anyone. That's why the Bible says he came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That spirit came to destroy Saul. The man that was so anointed. And that was why David had to come and start playing the harp. So that when he's playing, the spirit of the Lord can come to him. Then he can become normal. So when we move away from the presence of the spirit, we live an abnormal life. And when we live an abnormal life, it's a dangerous life. It's like somebody who is mad. Somebody whose head is not correct. Because you can't do what is right before God. And I pray as many have veered away tonight, we will find our way back unto the Lord in the name of Jesus. Another thing is, sometimes what God is looking for is just our repentance. In Psalm 51 verse 17, David said, the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, will not despise. The Lord will not despise it. We need to be broken. We need to get back onto him. And there are a whole lot of things that, you know, that trigger us, that makes it impossible for the spirit of the Lord to dwell. These are what I call poison in our body. Poison in our mind. And this is described in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 to 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 to 32. Is get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and unaffectionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And when we keep all of these things, you have a brother or a sister. Sometimes what we quarrel with among ourselves, they are so, so, so insignificant. Very, very insignificant. And then you keep it in your mind. And then it's there. And then when you see that sister or you see that brother, that thing well ups in you. And then you are waiting on the Lord for 40 days and night. Uh, just 40 days. No night there, right? You are fasting and fasting. And then your brother or your sister, you have something against him or her. And then we even come together, we pray together. Meanwhile, you are bitter towards that sister. You are bitter towards that brother. You're just wasting your time. Because the spirit of the Lord will not dwell with you. You're just wasting your time. Why don't you take away every of those poison? And if you have any poison in your mind tonight, I pray that the Lord will take them away. The Lord will give you the grace to forgive, to forget, and to be filled afresh with the Spirit of the Lord in the name of Jesus. And if you also want to be revived, the second thing I noted here is we need to draw nearer unto the Lord. Draw nearer unto the Lord. That's what I'm saying, nearer to the, nearer to the Lord. Draw me nearer, nearer to thee. My songs every day. Father, draw me nearer, draw me nearer, nearer to thee, closer to thee, closer to thee, Lord, draw me closer, closer to thee, closer to thee, closer to thee, Lord, draw me closer, closer to thee, my songs every day. Father, draw me closer. 
Draw me closer, closer to thee. Ah, one of these prayer items that must be on your lips is that the Lord draw you closer unto him every day. Because if he does not draw you closer unto him, you may stay outside of his covering. And you know, there is none of us that can stand on our own. How many of us can stand, can stand against the devil if we do not have Christ in us? We are toast in the hand of the devil without Christ. You are able to harass the devil. You are able to walk. You are able to do all the things you do because you have one who is powerful than the devil. And if we move away from his presence, you remember what happened to Job? God just gave the devil the right of access. I said, okay, you can touch him. Do you know how terrible the devil dealt with Job? If not for the grace of God, he would have been forgotten literally. But because God was with him, you know what happened to Job? It's to show us that without God with us, we can't survive. We don't even have the power. We don't have the means. We cannot even withstand the devil for five seconds. It's enough. Somebody, if breath or someone seizes for five to 30 seconds, that person is gone. So, as Christians, the only power we have is the Lord. In James chapter 4, verse 8, James chapter 4, verse 8, they draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. For us to be revived, we need to draw closer unto God and make it a point, a prayer point every day. Lord, I want to draw closer to you. I want to get closer to you. I do not want to worship you from afar. I do not want to be away from you. And like the psalmist in Psalm 42, verse 1 to 2, see, as a day pans for flowing streams, so pans my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear? When shall I come and appear before God? To have this test in our spirit, to do the things of God. When we have this test, when we have this hunger, then we are able to draw nearer unto the Lord. We are able to draw closer unto the Lord. And so if you are feeling a sense of the absence of the Lord, all you need to do is just ask him, Lord, I want to draw nearer to you. I want to get closer to you. And sincerely, if you do it, the Lord will bring you nearer to him. And he will revive you in the name of Jesus. The third item is what I call prayers. And I, I didn't even know where to put where to put it, whether to put it as first or to put it as because without prayers, there is no revival. Every revival also is accompanied by great prayers. But you know why I put those first, those two points first is that. There has to be a repentance first. Then there has to be an order to draw closer unto God. Then your prayer will make sense. If you have repented and you have a willing heart to draw nearer unto God, and then you go to the Lord and pray. And then your prayer will make a whole lot of difference. But you know, when you want to get revived, maybe you need to look at your prayer items. How do you pray? What do you pray about? What's your prayer like? Maybe let's look at a few scriptures. Let's see how Paul, let's see how he prays and what he prays about. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. Maybe we should just read verse 14 to 19. Paul praying here. Ephesians 4, I mean Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Please, if you can show it. 
Say, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what praying. The revival prayer. It's not about Lord. You don't just pray about Lord, bless me, bless my business, uh, watch over my children, uh, give me that contract, give me this, give me that. The Lord can give you every of those things. In fact, my understanding, sometimes you don't pray about some of those things. The Lord knows that you need them. If you are in his will, he will do them for you. That's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every of these things shall be added unto you. So when you pray concerning his will, when you pray to be filled with his spirit, you will be revived in the presence of the Lord. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 23, Ephesians 1, 17 to 23, someone should just please read it for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 23. I would like someone to read it for us. Let's read it deliberately. Any volunteer, whether online or in here? Okay. Reading from the NIV. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Power above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who, who fills everything in every way. Thank you, sir. This was Paul also praying. What was the focus of his prayer here? was praying that the Father would give them the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the grace to know him better, that the hearts of their understanding may be enlightened, that we may know the hope of which he has called us, we may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, in you, in me, when last do you pray like this, that God will reveal himself to you greater dimension. If you are fasting so that you may know the will of the Lord and all our prayers 
is centered about the physical things all around us, then we are relegating God onto the background. And so we need revival. We need to pray like this. And if you see how the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to be able to pray, you pick the one in Luke chapter 24, verse 31 to 32. No, in uh, Matthew 6, 9. Let's take the one, Matthew 6, 9. He said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So every day you pray, you honor the name of the Lord, you ask that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You ask that his will be done in your life. He will revive you. You will be revived. You will not sleep. You will not slumber. You will not wither. You will be firebrand for the Lord. And I pray that the Lord will help us to be able to do this in Jesus' mighty name. But the next thing I will look at is to depend on his words. On his words. On his words, his precepts and ordinances. You know, we need to study the word of the Lord with meaning and purpose so that the word will have the power to revive us. Remember when Jesus, after he was, after he rose from the dead and he was following them on the road to Emmaus and he saw the disciples and he was sharing the scriptures with them and then he got to the point where he said, let us share bread. And as he shared bread with them, their eyes were opened. And I said, oh no, we should have known. When he shared the scripture with us, how our hearts burn. They were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. So sometimes you read the scripture and you just read it. Nothing happened. No word of the Lord coming to you. Nothing jumps at you. You just read this. Sometimes it's even worse than reading the newspaper. But sometimes some people, when they read the newspaper, deliberately they focus on some things. They want to know what is happening or they listen to news on TV. They can tell you everything that is happening. But what they read in the scripture this morning, they can't remember. Why? Because you are not studying the scripture with a focus and with dedication that you require to be able to internalize the word of God. And the word of God is ever new, is ever fresh every day. What you have been reading for the past 20 or 30 years suddenly jumps at you and the Lord gives you a revelation about that scripture. If you pray to the Lord, I want to study your word. Please reveal yourself in your word unto me. Revive me through your word, and you can be sure that the Lord will revive you. In Psalm 109, verse 105, his words illuminate our path and shine our light on every darkness. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if you need to be revived, maybe there are darkness all around. If you study his words, the lights of the word of God will revive you, it will ignite, it will ignite you. And in Psalm 119 verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction that your word has survived. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserve my life. Preserve my life. Another word for it is, it revives me. Psalm 119 verse 107, I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. According to your word. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. According to your word. And verse 1, 1, Psalm 1, verse 93. Say, I will never forget your precepts, for by then you have revived me. You have revived me. You have revived me. As we study the word of the Lord, let's study it with a purpose. 
Let's be deliberate about it. Let's ask him, Lord, please speak to me in your word. And as you do that, he will speak to you. He will revive you in the name of Jesus. One of the surest ways to be revived is to live a life of holiness. To live a life of holiness. When we live a life of holiness, we surely we inviting the Lord to, re to revive us. God wants us to be holy because he himself is holy. Our God is a holy God. He does not dwell in place where there is unrighteousness. He's a holy God. Let's check out 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. Someone can please read it for us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. Someone can unmute himself online and read it. Otherwise, someone will take it from the auditorium here. First Peter chapter 1. But just as he would, just as he, he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. God is telling us that he is holy that's the character of God. He's holy. And if you want to dwell in his presence, you must be holy. Is there anything in our life that you know this is not a holy living? This is not right. That this is sin. That God does not love this. That these have the tendency of taking the Lord away from me. Can you think of any of those things? Can you think any of any of those? Can you just bow down your head where you are, asking Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Take me to your presence, Lord. This habit, this habit, oh God, surrender them unto you. I ask, oh God, you cleanse me, O God. Revive, revive me, Lord. Revive me, Lord. Cry unto him. Cry unto him. He wants more from you. He needs more from you. Speak to him tonight. Now revive me. Bless me, O God. Take away my iniquity, Lord. Wash me, punch me, cleanse me, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. No, in Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, I doubt if there is any child of God that does not know that scripture. The blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields his fruits in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prosper. Whatever he does, prosper. That's a lot of a righteous man. You know, when you are attached unto the Lord, when you are in the Lord, and you live a righteous life, and you lead a, live a holy life, and you do all to please the Lord, then your tree, your leaves will not wither. You know, the withering of the leaves is synonymous with lack of revival, lack of strength, lack of life. And you know, if you're not careful, you see the tree, the leaves is getting withered and withered and withered. If restoration does not happen quickly, that tree will die. 
And unfortunately, many who are in the Lord have backsliding and the withering process prior taking place. And instead of finding their way back onto the Lord, to connect to the source of life, to connect to the water, just like the tree by the rivers of living water. They felt, oh, I'm still standing, I'm still standing, I'm still standing. And before you know it, the source of nutrient is cut off. Just like we find in John 15, the vine that is severed away from the tree. What happened to the brand that is severed away from the tree? It withered. It not only withered, say it is torn apart and is thrown into the fire. I pray that none of us we end up being thrown into the fire in Jesus' mighty name. You know, withering is, is, is synonymous to sleeping, synonymous to being in a comatose position, it's synonymous with a Christ, lifeless Christ, without the Spirit of the Lord. When we live a holy life, what happens? Uh, in Psalm, verse 1, oh, will be our Lord. Just be growing. There might be storm everywhere. There might be, you know, lack of nutrients everywhere. Even if you have to go through it, the Lord will make you to go through it. And at the end of the day, it will turn out better for you. You know, we were studying the book of... Uh, Genesis, and we're looking at the story of David and my family. And we look at a part yesterday where Joseph was thrown into the prison uh, because Potiphar's wife lied against him. And we're asking ourselves, the Bible said Joseph was thrown into the prison where they keep the, the king's uh, prisoner. Why is it that where they put the VIP prisoner, why is it that that's where they put Joseph? They could have just locked him up in any prison, any common prison. He would just be chief of common prisoners. But God has a plan for him. Why they were planning and doing all of that, if you read that scriptures, the story of Joseph, the Bible keeps saying all the time that, and the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. His brother conspired against him. <laughs> We're asking ourselves, how will he be looking at his brothers when all of them say, eh, this dreamer has come. Eh, today, we'll kill you. We'll do this. If you are Joseph, what will be going through your mind? These are your brothers that you're growing up together. Possibly they even eat from the same plate. And they conspire and say, hey, this dreamer has come. We'll see what will come of his dream. And then they say, no, let's kill him. Let's kill him. When they remove his clothes, what will be going through his mind? He'll be thinking, what's happening to me? And then he got to Potiphar's house and he thought he was doing the best. And then lied against, she lied against him. And then before you know it, prison. But in every of those scriptures, the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph. If God is with you, if all the world conspired against you, the plan and purpose of God concerning you, he be fulfilled. He, nobody can change his, his plan for you. Only you can change the plan and purpose of God. That is, if you give room for the enemy to come in. I pray that none of us will give room to the enemy to come into our life. In Jesus' mighty name. The sixth one is showing more of God's love. Showing more of God's love. We want to be revived. Please, can you show more of God's love? Psalm 119 verse 88. He said, revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. And verse 159 of Psalm 119 says, Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, 
according to your loving kindness, according to your love, NIV. When you show God's love, gives room for you to be revived. When you live a life of love, you don't have any hatred against anyone. You are joyous towards everyone. Makes revival very, very easy. And the next one is by creating more time for God. We live in Lagos and sometimes it's very, very difficult. Sometimes for people, it's the traffic on the road. Yes, I know there's traffic. Sometimes people spend two, three hours in traffic. It's real. But the traffic on the road, how has it affected your personal communion with God? How has it affected your daily devotion? How does it affect your studying of the word of God? Yes, it might take away some of your time. You adjust your timetable to be able to have time to study the word of God. Or we've had an alibi. Traffic, the traffic. You know, God knows you and he knows me. He knows the excuses and those straws that we hold on to. I pray that the Lord will help us. Jesus' mighty name. In Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come in and dine with him, be with me. God is knocking all the time. God is looking for men all the time. He's looking for fellowship. He's looking for fellowship all the time. And I pray that the Lord will help us. And one other thing we need to do is to do more of our self-examination. When you examine yourself closely, you know where you are falling short. Let's examine ourselves. Let's meditate on his word. Let's not say, oh, that word does not concern you. Sometimes when we're, we're ministering, you know someone, hmm, talking about sister Susu, talking about brother Susu, what about you? How does the word affect you? Do you meditate on the word? Do you think about it? Do you think about the word? The word of God is a double-edged sword. It could be about you, it could be about me. Please meditate on the word. Take the message home. Go over the message again. It's even very easy these days. The messages are online. You can go back and listen to those messages. And it will bless you as you do that. So please, let's reflect more. Let's examine ourselves more. And you ever think he's standing, you say he should be where lest he fall. Be careful not to fall. That's one of the prayers we should be praying all the time. Lord, keep me standing. Keep me standing. You know, I've come to realize that the difference between standing and falling may not be so long. It may not be so, you know, just a moment. If you're not careful, you can discover that you have crossed the line. But even when you do, pray that the Lord will restore you in Jesus' mighty name. One thing we must do if we want to be revived is develop a habit of worshiping God and praising God. When things go down, when things go difficult, when things look as if there is no way, even if you cannot pray, can you lift up a song and just begin to worship God? As we worship Him, the, the ability to pray will come. Grace to pray will be restored. And the grace to enter into his presence will be restored upon you. So please develop the ability to pray and worship. And the last one I will look at, not the least, is relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Look at Peter, who was so afraid of a little maid and denied that he ever knew Jesus. By the time the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 1, verse 18, this same Peter was able to go before the Sanhedrin, before every one of them. And he accused them and said, you, you have killed the son, the son of God. 
To which of the prophets has your father not murdered? What is the difference? The difference is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And any child of God without the Holy Spirit, you are incomplete. You're just there for the taking. And I pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit will not be taken away from us. Just like David prayed, take not your spirit away from me. Take not your spirit away from me. Anyone that wants to be revived will have that prayer on his lips. Lord, do not take your spirit away from me. Talk to me in the joy of my salvation. And in concluding, our goal as a Christian is to spend eternity in his presence. We need a constant reminder of this goal so we do not make a short-term earthly goal to be our destination. The journey is hard. Revival helps us to navigate. It helps us to endure and it helps us to continue the journey despite the several difficulties. May the Lord grant you the grace to continue till end in Jesus' mighty name. Let us just pray. Just speak to the Lord tonight. Ask him, be Father, Lord. I do not want to go astray, Lord. I want to remain with you. I want you to abide with me. I want you to abide with me. I want your power. I want your grace. Oh, Father, Lord, everywhere I've missed it. Help me, oh God. Help me, oh God. Help me, O oh God. Revive me, O oh God. Revive me, my Father. In the name of Jesus. O oh Lord, revive me, O oh God. Let me not go astray, Lord. Keep me, O oh God. Take not the Holy Spirit away from me. As I study your word, let it have meaning in my life. <laughs> As I go on my knees, O oh God, let there be sweetness of your presence all around me. Oh, Father, Lord. Let your grace envelop me, O oh God. Oh, Father, Lord, everywhere I struggle, I ask, O oh God, for strength. Strength from you, O oh God. Ah, everywhere I'm fainting, O oh God. <laughs> Revive me, O oh God. Revive me, O oh God. And feed me with your spirit. Thank you, mighty Father, Lord. Is there any area I've gone astray? Oh, bring me back unto yourself, O oh God. Bring me back unto yourself, Lord. And restore me unto your presence. That the time of refreshing may come in my fellowship with you. In my walk with you, O oh God. In all the things I do, let the love of Christ be upon me, Lord. And help me, Father. As I continue on this journey, as I continue on this race. I will find strength in you. <laughs> and you'll be glorified. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Blessed be thy name, O oh Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed.